Welcome back to Protectors. Today, I have Jeremy Mayhew on. Uh, but before we get to Jeremy, let me give a shout out to OSD. It's Outperform, Serve, and Develop. I've recently partnered with them, and they will be supporting the podcast. So give a shout out to OSD. So it's weareosd.org, and I'll put some more information out about that soon. But today, I'd really like to welcome Jeremy Mayhew of Deliver Fund. Jeremy has an extensive background, and we're going to get into that. But we're also also, also, also going to be talking about uh, a topic of my next book, which is trafficking, domestic trafficking, and Jeremy is a subject matter expert on this. Jeremy, welcome. Oh, thanks, Jason. Appreciate having me on. Thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we get into Deliver Fund, and, and we're not going to, and like we, this is right before the Super Bowl, everybody, so we're not getting into TTPs, uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures. We're just going to talk about the generalization. So I just wanted to put that up front. So tell yeah. me a little bit about your background, yeah. Jeremy. Sure. Well, so grew up in Montana, Montana boy, uh, didn't know anything about such things like human trafficking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but I go in the Navy and I spent 10 years in the Navy as a Navy SEAL. And so I got the opportunity to be a SEAL sniper and that was pretty cool. Did a couple platoons, uh, for that. And then, uh, got out of the Navy and found myself in that position that so many guys do where it's uh, there's a lucrative contracting world out there. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got sucked into the go back into the Middle East and work on these uh, couple of month contracts uh, essentially for the intelligence community. So uh, while I'm over there, I meet Nick McKinley. We're actually in northern Iraq in uh, Kirkuk, Iraq, of all places, is a great place to hang out and <laughs> this is probably in 2009 and uh so there we are and we become pretty good friends and and very quickly i realized this is somebody i want to uh pay attention to really smart guy a lot of great ideas and a couple of years later he talks to me about an idea specifically about human trafficking and i'm thinking okay but surely there's a organization or there's some kind of federal entity that already has the ball on this. Right. And it has somehow we have some, we have somebody that's, that's fighting this in a scalable, efficient way. And uh, as you know, like there's, there's really just, that doesn't exist. And, you know, he told me that I didn't believe him at first, but when you start to look at, where we spend our tax dollars, mm -hmm. it goes to national defense. And what does that mean? That means guns, drugs, and terrorism, right? Yeah. And somehow as a society, we just have not put enough emphasis on like, um, here's a problem. It's not just a humanitarian problem, but this is, um, this is our children who are being sold for sex. And sometimes, um, you know, yeah, you know, what we get into right away is the the where is that happening? You know, we think uh, we see it in the movies, and we think it's happening on these shipping containers, or or maybe it's a you know, like I talk to churches all the time, who they're like, oh, we're already supporting our 
our organization who's fighting in Cambodia and uh, or mm. Thailand or one of these other countries. And then, you know, at that time when I was having that conversation with Nick, those are the same things that I thought, right? Like I didn't really realize that we had this problem in the United States. And so um, after finding that out and then starting to talk to law enforcement and seeing what's actually going on here in our own cities and our own neighborhoods, you know, for me, there was really no, no other option. Um, so, you know, I, I exited uh, the job I was working at actually on the last trip I was doing, uh, I was in Baghdad and I left and about a week later, I started on a, on a political campaign for uh, Ryan Zinke, who was a Navy SEAL from my home state of Montana, who was running for U.S. Congress and then got tapped by uh, President Trump to be the Secretary of Interior uh, after that. But I helped him on his initial campaign. And then I left there and I jumped in with Nick to start Deliver Fund. And that's where we are today, five years into Deliver Fund. Yeah. And, you know, I came from Homeland Security. I started out in the Border Patrol. I have, you know, I just hit 20 some odd years in, uh, in law enforcement. And even I didn't realize how much domestic trafficking was going on. I was always looking at the transnational connection. Everything yep. had to have a nexus to the border, you know, and we're bringing over children and women and, and men for labor and sex trafficking. But then, you know, after talking to you guys, um, first through law enforcement today and now talking mm -hmm. with you guys directly, I'm learning a ton myself, man. And, and, yep. and just the amount of money you can make off of a victim. Oh yeah. I mean, Mike, uh, your, your CEO, Mike fully love, uh, he told me, and that's how you pronounce it, right? Fully love, fully love, fully love. There he is. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mike. Um, you know, he sent me some documentation for an article I'm writing right now. And you know, with the Super Bowl loan, one trafficker with four to six victims can make over a hundred grand in one week. Oh, exactly. And you know, we're talking, yeah. and you know, you have a million plus people like heading over to the Super Bowl in that area. And how many of them are going to be using a sex worker? And how mm -hmm. many of those sex workers are trafficked? And how many of them are domestic? And it's not like the pimps. And that's one thing you have Kara and you always, I always watch her on Instagram and she's always putting out like how these pimps, you have the pimps that look normal, but then you also have like, like Mike was saying, like soccer moms and everybody else. So, I mean, going to yeah. some of that stuff, man, what, what was the most eye opening thing for you? I, I, every day it's like, what the heck, you know, one, <laughs> how are people this evil, but two, there's some comedy in some of it as well. You're just like, mm -hmm. seriously, like this guy, is like a wannabe rapper and they're yeah. putting everything up. You've seen those where they put everything on social media and you're just like, wow. But at the end of the day, they're still manipulating. They're still force mm -hmm. fraud and coercion. Absolutely. And, and they're still taking somebody who um, most likely was abused or had some, something happen in their, in their formative year, in their child years, right? Like probably uh, a lot of these girls have something that's, uh, probably in that 12 to 14 year old range where they're, they're either molested or, or raped, or there's some sort of abuse there that makes that emotional hook uh, available for these traffickers. So that even if the trafficker is, you know, even if the girl is, that's being trafficked is now, let's say 19 or 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And we look at her as like, well, it's just a, you know, we have this idea of like the MTV, uh, pimps, right? Like where it's yeah. like this kind of cool thing. And it's like, this is the pimp and it's kind of funny. Um, you know, and he's got these girls and they're doing it because they want to, and they're, you know, they're just prostitutes and 
we kind of accept that, but we don't, we don't think about the story of how that girl got to that point. Right. And that, you know, she many times now is addicted to heroin. She has all kinds of other issues and ultimately like um, she has no other, how just, she doesn't see the light of anything else that she could do in life. She's been conditioned to think that this is all there is for her and this is her life. So she doesn't even see herself as a victim at that point. And that's a, that's a true tragedy as well. And then they're broken. And then what happens to them after that? Like you said, addiction and they're cast aside, the trafficker gets another victim and uses them over and over again. I mean, it's yeah, we've been, cycle, man. Yeah, it's like this. We've been talking about this, this stat where these girls, the lifespan is seven years. Right. And so if you think about the average age of kids that come into being trafficked is actually according to the national center for missing and exploited children is like 13, 14 years old. Right. And so if you're talking about these kids that come in at that age and they've got, you know, again, they're being raped six to 20 times a day. Yes. They, like you said, their, their soul, their spirit is just crushed. Um, they don't see any other possibility. Um, so they're, they're doing drugs. They're doing uppers to stay awake and downers to, you know, try and block out the, the misery. And so here they go. And now again, you know, when you do this for a matter of years and, and what's left on the other side, not, not much. I will tell you that there's a, um, a pretty cool story we just recently had because there is hope for some of these victims and that they can recover with proper treatment. We had a girl who was one of the first girls that we helped and she, we just found out recently they were doing a um, human trafficking conference in New Mexico. And this was a girl who was 12 years old when she was first trafficked. When we, and her, her father had left her and her mother lived in the same town, only about 10 minutes away. It basically disowned them. Right. And then uh, for 10 years, She's, she's traded between different human traffickers and sold six to 20, in her words, six to 20 times a day, um, yeah. becomes addicted to heroin. Her mom also is a heroin addict. Um, and so this is happening. And so um, we finally get to the point where we start Deliver Fund. And the first year that we started, we were able to help this girl. But she's 22 years old now. She's been in this life for, for 10 years. So she's made it past that seven-year um average but i've looked at her journals that she wrote and you're surprised she made it because she's you know there's suicidal thoughts there's all kinds of mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff in there that any given day uh, she could have she could have od'd on something or if she misbehaved so badly her trafficker could have just od'd her and thrown her yeah. out in the desert you know so that's happening but for this girl there's a happy note at the end of this story because she actually um, like I was saying, she ended up um, speaking as the, like the, the guest speaker or the, or the chair speaker of this event. So it took her probably about four of those years to get herself right. Um, and now she's an advocate for other victims. Um, but that's not the norm, right? Like that is, yeah. that is a huge success story. And the norm is, is more like they have a seven year life cycle. I'm glad you brought that, you know, a little bit ago, a few minutes ago, you brought up a word that not many people understand. Um, a lot of people have these blinders on, but evil, 
and evil does exist. And sometimes you have to experience yourself. You can't really, you know, listen to you or me or anybody else, but there are truly evil people out there. And I'm not trying to preach. I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, there are evil people that don't look at other humans as they look at them as a commodity and as a piece of meat that they can make money off of. That's what the slave trade has always been about. Yeah. The slave trade has has always been about making dehumanizing and making that that um, subset of of people, whatever. If you're looking at an ethnic group or you're looking at whatever it is, making making that so it is just a commodity, and we look at it mm-hmm. as that. And that's one of the big problems that I see right now. I mean, I just mentioned this on uh, something else I was talking to the other day, where the uh, somebody told me that recently that the the average age that a boy um, sees pornography is eight years old. And so, you know, we have a society issue as well here where, if mm-hmm. it, you know, and I was telling somebody else this, like, you know, you and I are about the same age. And so like when, yeah. when we were growing up, if you wanted to look at some kind of um, pornographic material, it was probably in a gas station in the back row behind all yep. the other magazines with like a plastic cover on. And you had to be 18 years old to, to purchase something like that. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And today, and now you have the world in your hands, you know, it, it's, it's on an iPhone that, you know, our, our eight year olds can pull up and watch pornography that is gone way out of control. And, and it, and it really goes to that point of like how we, treat women and if if our young men mm-hmm. are seeing this and they're saying hey this is the way that you treat women um they are just a essentially a commodity and then it just feeds the whole system right and so this is a this is a massive massive issue that we have deliver fund looks at it like this uh we can't we can't um legislate morality right we mm-hmm. can't we can't, uh, you know, I think that the, the church has a responsibility to help men be better men and, and not do these kinds of things. And I think the, there needs to be laws that hold people accountable. But ultimately, we understand it from an illicit market approach. So we just look at it from a, from a analytical basis. We know that really, even though we say it's a supply and demand, a lot of people get confused and think that the demand is driving the supply. The demand has always been there. The demand's yeah. huge. It's always going to be, but the, it's the availability that actually is is allowing that demand to be so big. And it's the availability that that lowers that price point and makes it accessible, also for a larger amount of demand. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going <laughs> to say, and that brings up the point that you know where your your current offices are are in the office of Backpage. You know, Absolutely. before you would have like, you know, the the periodicals, the printed, the Internet uh, posting boards. And now you have like, you know, dark web type stuff. You have access to it still, but you need organizations. You need civilian counterparts because law enforcement simply doesn't have the resources to be focusing on every crime and every terrorist act and everything. And quite frankly, they don't have the uh, the manpower right now. It's not just the resources. It's, it's like you have. Anytime everything pops up, bureaucracy takes over. So yeah. 9-11 happens, everything's <laughs> focused on terrorism. Um, yep. Everybody and her brother has a, a JTTF. 
And now you're finally starting to see a lot of human trafficking task forces. But then what's the bandwidth for that as well, especially when it comes to federal resources and, you know, bodies transferring in and out, et cetera. You know what I'm talking about. It's just like the military when someone transfers. It's not only like, it's like, okay, so we've got some political pressure, so we're going to stand up a task force. Well, what does that mean? Well, in some places that literally means one person now has a tertiary job, which is, oh, human trafficking. So first and foremost, your, you know, narcotics and whatever Mm -hmm. else. Right. And then, oh, by the way, on top of that, even though you have no time, you have no resources, you have no real training and you have no technology to even know where to start this, uh, this fight, you know, like how, how, what are you going to do? Right. And you don't have any enough money in the budget to work overtime. So you can't go, you know, go out and do Mm -hmm. some sustained surveillance. And that's where deliver fund comes in really. And that's why we stood up because believe me, I was not dreaming about working for a nonprofit in my, you know, my (laughs) let's, let's pick a career. Right. Um, But it's, it's so essential that, we have this set up as a nonprofit because law enforcement does not have the resources they need. They do not have the budget to pay for those resources. And so we can fit that niche where we can raise money privately and give scholarships mm-hmm. and give technology to those officers. And what's, what's really cool as well is one of the things that we've, we've um, I think I told you this the other day when we talked, but we've created a platform that we're, law enforcement was so siloed before, not just from like city city to city, but then you have like local, state and federal, right? So you have all of these different silos as you're well, well aware of. And there's no information sharing like we do now with terrorism. We do with some of the other um, criminal enterprises, but with human trafficking, there is no database to share that information. And when you can't share data, you can't solve problems, right? And so um, we've created this system, this database, this platform where law enforcement at all those different levels can share that information as they're building cases. And even if they choose not to um, directly share, the computer knows, the AI backbone algorithm knows that mm-hmm. that information's in there and they then know who to contact and what jurisdiction to get that information. And that's hugely um, important as we cast this net across the country because um, ultimately, you know, to do this at scale, you've got to have some sort of technology platform that allows you to do a clearinghouse. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Because, you know, in, yeah. in the narco world, you know, we used to always have a clearinghouse. So if I had an address, a license plate, a suspect or anybody, I could put it into there and it would either ping off of another case or, you know, you just push that on for someone else to use it later on. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's it's a it's a great to have someone passionate and the people that you're bringing on as volunteers and as hires are also passionate about them. They're not, you know, everybody I've talked to in your organization, they're, they're in it. They're not in it for a paycheck. They're in it because they want to just disrupt and dismantle the evil that's out there. I, I, yes, for sure. I actually, there's a, a girl who is who I would call a thriver. She was previously, you know, a human trafficking victim here in Dallas and uh, I think she's coming to work for us. So in the interview process, she was talking about like, she just wakes up every morning and wants to go crush human traffickers. And that's, that is our hashtag, like crushing evil. Mm-hmm. And like, we, we all wake up every morning with, with just that. And I was reading in the book that you wrote 
and you referenced a, a quote from Condoleezza Rice, and I think she actually said this like 10 years ago, but she said, yeah, she uh, defeating, yeah, defeating human trafficking is a great moral calling of our time, you know? And so here we are 10 years later and it's just been going exponentially up. So, I mean, that calling just got bigger and, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just see And you know what? And that's seeing what you guys and girls are doing and deliver fund is one of the reasons I'm writing the book, because whenever I bring it, up whatever I'm doing, speaking, everybody wants to know about trafficking. Everybody wants to know what is going on domestically because the, the misconceptions out there are just like we said, we started off the conversation with transnational coming yeah. in cargo boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is there's someone out there right now grooming a victim and yeah. it's happening yeah. everywhere in it and everywhere. everywhere. And so just today I watched a, uh, a little PSA that was put out from the attorney general in Texas and then Matthew McConaughey, because Matthew McConaughey lives in Austin and uh, this is an issue for him too. So he's kind of teamed up with the governor's office and they read off a stat that I've been hearing quite a few times here in Texas. It's uh, it's something that they did based off law enforcement data uh, specifically for Texas. And they did it through the governor's office and the university of Texas. So they said that it's over 300,000. I want to say it's like three. 319,000 human trafficking victims in Texas, 79,000 of those are minors, right? (laughs) Now, I don't know if they extrapolate some of their data to to get to there, but I don't care if it's like 1,000, right? Yeah, I don't. Like, are are, are you kidding me? Like, how how is this possible that we would have even 1,000 minors? And they're saying there's 79,000 minors. And, And predominantly, those are sex trafficking. So yes, we have labor trafficking, mm-hmm. um, but the big money in the United States oh, comes from the theft trafficking because you can sell that product over and over and over. And that's really where, um, you know, we see the majority of, of that market being. And so the thing about that is they do have to advertise that product. So like you said, uh, I'm sitting here in our national headquarters, which previously used to be backpage.com. And Backpage was the largest purveyor of sex advertising, mostly through what looks like an escort ad, but Mm -hmm. that a large percentage of those were human trafficking activity and then also being complicit in selling minors for sex. And they had uh, law enforcement could go on their website and they could, you know, see if they could find something. But there was, again, there was really no good technology to filter through that and quickly identify what what was and what was not and uh, so they were just looking through as if you're googling something and going well maybe but backpage was actually complicit and they were they were um they were working with their clients people who were putting up a one to four dollar ad and they would make sure that they changed the language knowing that it was a minor so as not to get flagged by the cops you know, in, in posting this. So um, clearly they're not here anymore. And uh, just like uh, we did in our other careers in the military and, and intelligence um, communities, we often, once we, we win a battle, we take over their palace. And yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's what we did here. <laughs> well, that's one thing I like about your organization too, is you have a new mission. And, you know, one thing leaving the military and everything, I, I'm the same way. And leaving agencies or anything, you have to have something that gets you up in the morning and that must be an awesome experience. Like just, you know, you're actually doing something. 
And you're not just so chasing excited. a paycheck, you know. <laughs> it's it's uh if I woke up every day and I thought this is an evil, horrible problem, and you know what? It's just whack-a-mole. Like we knock one down and two more stand up. If that's what I actually believed, I would move back to Montana with my fly fishing pole mm-hmm. and I would just be like, you know what, society, you're you're done for and I'm not gonna help you. Um but the really exciting thing is, you know, as people from our backgrounds, when we see a problem, what do we do? We come up with solutions and yeah. we very much have a solution, a solution that we're so boldly saying, despite the fact that I'll give you two statistics. So first, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children said that within a five year window. And again, you know, this was like because we got technology, right, a phone, a smartphone in your pocket. But in a five year window between two thousand five and 2010 suspected trafficking of minors for sex in the United States went up 846%. So this is just, you know, going exponentially up. And like I said, it's not really slowed down. Um, there's different ways that people have tried to fight this market. Nobody's really gone after the, the storefront or the trafficker mm-hmm. until now. And, and that's why we very much believe that we can have an 80% reduction in that market. So not only curbing it, but 80% reduction in a matter of about five years if we are properly um, funded. And that's that's exciting. So like that's what gets me um, excited, excited. And the way that we're doing it is like, yes, we're, we're a couple of veterans that started this. Uh, mm-hmm. We're a couple of guys that, that uh, really didn't have like a deep, business background and we don't have MBAs from Wharton and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, Nick's going to Harvard, but we're excusing for that too. Um, Yeah. So, so here we are, but we've been so blessed to have people who are um, geniuses on all, on all those sides. I mean, people from like the top venture capital firms in the world who have built companies, massive hundreds of companies, massive at scale are speaking into what we're doing and how we're doing this and how to, um, get the right technology and scale that technology and, and all of those things. And so it's so exciting, but we're also now starting to see what develops into essentially a revenue generation model for us. So we don't have to go out and beg for dollars all the time, but at some point we transition into a company um, still in our nonprofit, but that company now is stopping human trafficking at the point of sale. So if you're going to buy a hotel room, boom, you have to give them your information. And if your information is in our database at that mm-hmm. point of sale, if you're gonna buy an airplane ticket, if you're going to buy groceries, if you're gonna do anything, as Nick would say, a human trafficker becomes a pariah to society. Yep. They cannot function. And that's the whole point about us. Like we were the ones that first said counter human trafficking. And everybody was like, what does that mean? Because at the time, five years ago, everybody was saying, Anti-human trafficking, there's 2,000 groups that do anti-human trafficking, right? Well, what does anti mean? Do you're against it? Well, yeah, no shit, right? Like, I mean, we're all <laughs> Who's not against, against it, you know? If, if, if you're not, then you're part of the problem for sure, um, and we should take a close look at you. But ultimately, um, you know, counter means to block or stop, just like counter-terrorism. Mm-hmm. That's where we come from, the careers that we had. And so we're taking those same methodologies, those same technologies, those same people, repurposing them here at home to go after, you know, what I would simulate to terrorists, but they're human traffickers, right? 
And that's same uh, evil. <laughs> same, it's the same evil. And, and uh, these guys are just not doing it for idealistic reasons. They're just doing it for money. You know, um, man, I just, I just, I had something really good to say. Oh yeah. You brought it up. Um, money. And that is the thing and not chasing money and donors and getting the message out there, but it's not only getting donor money, but also I've seen recently, and you guys have pushed out a little bit about it too, was hotels and other organizations are now getting the training because they are in, in the trafficking world, they may be your first, your, you know, your see something, say something, people are going to come forward first, say, you know what, something's going on here. I need to call this number. It's great. You're starting to see airline um, stewardesses who are who are making reports and saying, "Hey, this person, uh, something's something's off here." And I think what really needs to happen is we just need a much more robust reporting system. And then yeah. you need somebody on the other side of that, specifically on law enforcement side, who can who can actually do something about it, who can mm -hmm. actually deal with that, um, because. We run into a lot of problems as we're training law enforcement. Law enforcement not only doesn't understand what the problem is, but they don't understand, you know, that, that they don't, they're at a disadvantage because they don't even have that reporting process and they don't have somebody to yeah. actually give that information to that's going to uh, action on it. So these are all things, these are all problems that we're solving for. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a really fun time to be involved on that solution side and see the successes Right now, we're doing something at the Super Bowl, and we're we're actually working with, um, I think, about fourteen different banks. Oh, awesome! Which is really cool. And then also with the local task force um, on the ground, and so you know we're building cases for them, and and uh, I mean just crushing it. And you know, it's exciting because we see the winning piece. It's it's disturbing. Um, when you know that sometimes it's we've had a case with as young as a four-year-old um so th there's 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 purely this this evil behind there but it, it's kind of that much more of a good feeling know that you to know that you solved for you know taking evil off the chest off the chessboard i'm glad you brought up the super bowl again too um we're gonna have i'd like to really have you maybe you and a team to hop on yeah. because we could have like I probably up to six people on here and let's do a follow-up show to this one after the Super Bowl because I really want to get into what you guys are doing because yeah. I know a little bit about it and I'm excited for you and yeah. I really want to come back and talk about that and definitely write about that as well. Um, one yep. thing I really do want to push out before we end tonight is how do we support Deliver Fund? I know we can go to deliverfund.org, but what else can we do? Well, help us spread the message. I think it's really important that uh, people understand that this is an American problem. Uh, dollar for dollar, it's it's uh, we have the largest problem here, and it's the American male that drives the problem around the world. And so, you know, we really need to fight it here. Again, it's American kids, also probably eighty-five percent American women and children who are being exploited. And uh, there's another quote that that we have on our website, and it's uh, from. William Wilberforce, remember him? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, fought, fought slavery for a long, long time, but he said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. And so we've got, exactly. we've got a lot of different, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media things. You know, we try to put some information out there. We're getting better, getting our message out there. So spread the word, um, start paying attention to what's going on in your 
city and find out ways that you can help. And then obviously for us, um, the, the fuel that runs this engine is, is, is donations. And so uh, you can donate on our website or you can find the address on there to send a check. And, and that's awesome. And, you know, all of that has a huge impact. And share. If you can't, I always tell people, if you can't afford a check, share, share the message, Talk about it. share the yeah. links. And, you know, um, that's one thing I started to work with OSD and I brought up good thing about in my new um, mission is director of corporate philanthropy. I got to get that word down. But that's the thing is <laughs> trying to get money for good organizations. And the same thing with yeah. herds. It's just someone's going to donate. They want to donate. They want to feel good. Uh, one great organization to donate is Deliver Fund because it's, you know, we could, we could save the whales. We could save a lot of things. Uh, let's save our kids, you know. Cause I, mm-hmm. I have a nine and 11 year old and I'll do anything, uh, anything. Right. Right. Yep. It's our well, children, brother, our future. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and I look forward to having you back on looking forward to collaborating on books and everything else I could do to uh, spread the message, brother. Let's do it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.